It's the Perry and Shauna podcast on the real life journey with you, reminding you that you are Abba's beloved child and that Jesus has called you into his massive mission to heal the world. Chelsea Sobolik is the author of Call to Cultivate, a gospel vision for women in work, but she is also the author of Longing for Motherhood, Holding on to Hope in the Midst of Childlessness. She works in Washington, D.C. She's the director of government relations for a nonprofit organization, and Chelsea is a brand new mom. Congratulations, Chelsea. Thank you, and thanks so much for having me. Oh, I'm so excited about your little one. So you have a, a little boy named Dev, and how, yes. how old is Dev? He's two and a half. Two and- um, I was sharing before we hopped on air, we just got back from India Friday. Um, wow. We were there five weeks adopting him, and we were just so blessed. And a part of my story, I, I shared more in my first book, but my fam- my immediate family is built through um, international adoption. I was actually adopted internationally. So this is all near and dear to my heart. Yeah. But we are very, very thrilled to be home. Yes. <laughs> um, India is beautiful, but there's no place like home. So oh, we're super excited for you. And, you know, how mean to get you up so early. A brand new mom. And we're like, and by the way, there's coffee. we'd love to do. Okay, cool. Cool, cool beans. Well, and he was up at five anyways. So. Oh, very good. Very good. So yes. he's getting some dad time. Well, yes. we're excited to talk about your new book called To Cultivate, a gospel vision for women and work. And I think that traditionally there have been a lot of different ideas about women or and what we're supposed to do and what we're supposed to be about. But we want to know what God has to say about this subject. So tell me about women and work from a biblical lens. Share with us from Scripture what what the Word has to say about the value and the worth of work and the role that women play when it comes to working. We see from the very first pages of Scripture, literally Genesis 1-1, God is working. God's at work. He is creating the world through the spoken word and everything we see in creation, he created. And then obviously he creates um, Adam and Eve and um, he gives them what's what's known as the creation mandate. Um, and one of the things in that is the call to work. Um, and that's given to both men and women. Um, and I think one of the really amazing things that I love about this topic and especially about work is work predates the fall. Mm-hmm. Genesis one yeah, and two, good. God is working. God calls humanity to work. And of course, in Genesis three, we have the fall, which mars everything, including our work. And that's actually part of the curse that's given to, to man is that work will be cumbersome mm-hmm. and labor, um, but work predates the fall. So I think it's really easy for us when we have a hard day or hard seasons in work to think work is part of the fall. And it's not. Um, one of the the ways that we image God, that we are an image bearer of God is by working. And I think it's really important to say work looks different for each one of us, mm-hmm. depending on our capacity, our abilities, our season of life. Um, you know, all those different things. Not all of us are called um, to a nine to five office job. Some of us are called to raise little people in the home or care for yeah. an aging parent or, you know, whatever fills our days. Um, we're not meant to just lay around and, 
you know, lay on a beach all day and oh, eat bonbons. We're called to work. <laughs> yeah, I know. I wish. I wish. Um, so I, I think kind of the most foundational thing is um, work predates the fall. Work is a good thing. Um, work, when we're working, we're imaging part of God's character. Mm-hmm. But then for, for women and work, um, again, we see that creation mandate given to both men and women. Um, and both men and women are created in God's image and we're both called to work. Um, I think the the kind of what you said, there's kind of been many Many thoughts on on women and work and work and women has certainly looked different throughout history. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we didn't have nine to five jobs uh, in the Garden of Eden. So things have changed, but um, God has called women to work as well. Um, and there's so many different ways that this can play out. And I think um, one of the things that I can frustrate us is there's no cut and dry answer for what this should look like. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to give some thoughts on this in the book, but I think this is where wisdom comes in to know our season of life, how God is personally leading us. Um, But the the foundation is that women are also called to work Mm -hmm. um, and history looks different because of the work of women. Chelsea, I got a question for you about gender discrimination, specifically gender discrimination in the workplace. So unfortunately, this is a reality that many women deal with in the workplace. But I understand you have a personal story. Can you share that with us? I do. And it's a story I think any woman who's walked through gender discrimination doesn't want to have. But um, I worked on Capitol Hill for a number of years and Honestly, it was my dream job. I was working on public policy that I cared about deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of respect for my boss but uh, when I joined his team. And unfortunately, he ended up resigning in the middle of the Me Too, Me Too movement because of sexual misconduct. Um, and so myself and the entire staff lost their jobs um, on oh, Capitol wow. Hill. If the member of Congress leaves, um, you you lose your job. Um, So whether it's leaving through uh, resigning or they, they lose their race, um, the staff loses their jobs. So um, I was faced and this happened um, just a few months into my brand new marriage. So I um, paid the price quite literally for um, something that I didn't do wrong. Mm Um, It was extraordinarily disorienting for me because I had really respected this man. He had called himself a Christian. Um, And then all of this came out. And so as I was navigating this, I started having conversations with other women, other Christian women, just trying to navigate, how do I make sense of this? Mm -hmm. What do I do about experiencing this in the workplace. Um, And as I had conversations, I realized that so many other women have experienced either something similar or um, maybe something not quite as severe as losing a job because of your boss leaving, Um, but but more subtle things Mm -hmm. like snide comments about being a woman in the workplace or feeling like if you don't conform to this image um, that your male coworkers won't respect you or kind of all these different things that um, 
Christian women have experienced both in secular workplaces, but also unfortunately in Christian workplaces as well, where um, they're not treated the way that they ought. And then another layer on top of that that I had um, in conversation with other women and then women I included stories in the book is racial discrimination mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And there are so many women um both both in the West and around the world who experience kind of that double layer of discrimination because of their um, their gender, but also discrimination because of their race. And so I highlight both my own personal story, um, but also include the voices of many other women in the book who experienced similar things, things much more severe than I did, but then also... Um, comments and, and and things that they shouldn't have experienced in right, the workplace. Right. So um and and I'll say one of the, the anchoring things for me as I walked through this was reading the life of Jesus and how he interacted with women. Mm-hmm. Um you know much can be said on this topic, much has been said on this topic, but um as I was untangling what happened, Mm -hmm. um, reading scripture and seeing that um, Jesus doesn't treat women the way I was treated in the workplace. And it was wrong how I was treated. And it was wrong. It was wrong what happened. It was sinful and wrong. But looking at the example of Jesus and seeing how countercultural he was and how he treated women, that he even talked to them was countercultural, but he did so much more than that. And so um, that for me was very anchoring to know that what happened was objectively wrong. Mm -hmm. And we can call that out and have those conversations at the same time, looking to the example of Jesus and how he treats women, um, was very grounding and rooting for me. Yeah, that's so good. I mean, specifically, I'm thinking about the example of the woman at the well and the how just so outside of his cultural norm it would have been for him to engage in this conversation with her. But not only did he engage in a conversation with her that brought about personal healing, she was so influential in that community. She was the person who brought the message that this was the Messiah. He chose a woman to do that. Mm-hmm. And I love tracing um, through scripture the ways, uh, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, how um, vital women were, not only through um, working and and all of that, but through the redemptive story. Um, Women are at the forefront, and I love that. And we're not a second thought in God's kingdom. We are equally valuable and important in the kingdom of God. want to dive into a little bit, Chelsea, about finding the balance. Like, is there such a thing? Is that just this like thing that doesn't exist that we keep grasping for and it's not there? That finding the balance between, you know, work and life and being professionally healthy, like growing professionally, but also growing spiritually. Is there balance in all of this? Well, it's a great question. And I think it's something so many women talk about and strive for. And one of the questions we ask each other um, is, how do you do it all? And Mm -hmm. I think the answer is we don't. (laughs) No one does it all, Um, at least not all at once. Mm -hmm. And one of the concepts I write about in the book um, is the concept of seasons. Um, Some seasons are temporary. Um, Some might 
be a lot longer. Um, but our life is constantly fluctuating, whether it's, I mean, something as simple as changing from summer to autumn, like a physical mm-hmm. season changes the foods we eat, how we dress, those types of things, but also seasons of life. Um, we shared earlier, I'm stepping into motherhood right now. So it's a huge seasonal change, but also professional seasons change too. You know, some women might work in the workforce for a couple of years, choose to stay home for a couple of years. Some women don't have the choice to stay home. So they're juggling, raising little people and working and, you know, all of these different, um, seasons. Um, And layered on top of that, we have different family dynamics. And there's so much Mm -hmm. that make up our own personal individual lives. So I think the concept of balance, um, you know, my my friend, um, Sarah actually gave this analogy to me, I share it in the book, but almost um, that's something we'll never perfectly achieve. But it's kind of like riding a bike. We shift our weight Mm. at different times um, depending on our seasons. And so we're never perfectly, I I don't think we should try to strive for equal parts of time and attention for all these things because we we have 24 hours in a day. And so we have to prioritize um, kind of those glass balls. You know, if we drop this thing, it will shatter and break. Um, to me, that is relationships and people. If I drop this ball mm-hmm. of caring for the people in my life, mm-hmm. that will shatter. Right. There's some balls that are plastic. You know, my house is <laughs> right at all times. Yeah. Um, and so each one of us, I think, can sit down and prioritize depending on our season of life. You know, we might be single and that might impact our priorities or we might have six children at home and we're home full time, homeschooling, yeah. you know. So I think... The concept of balance is, you know, a mirage that so many of us strive to get to, mm-hmm. but we're never going to get there. I think a better way is what's our season of life? In the season of life, what is our priority? In those priorities, what are what needs my attention, um, time most? Yeah. Um, and kind of going from there. And we're not gonna do it perfectly. I think. I at least want to do those things perfectly. I'm not going to, we're Mm -hmm. not going to, but I think we can prayerfully consider what wisdom looks like in those priorities and strive for that. I think we should strive for that for sure. But um, for me, at least the concept of seasons has been a lot more helpful than that mirage of balance. Right. I think that when we think about the Proverbs 31 woman, we stress out like it makes it it makes our hearts race because she's doing all the things she's doing all the things chelsea and she's I think, busy yeah yeah we think like <laughs> yeah. she's doing all the things at the same time to the same degree like she's getting an a in every subject and it's like no maybe maybe she's getting you know maybe she's getting a d right now when it comes to laundry because yes. <laughs> she's because she's getting an a plus and you know i don't know producing linens like i don't know whatever the case may be but anyway yeah we do we put a lot on ourselves i think social media too we like we see the mom who like everything was organic and she made it all from scratch and here it is. And she puts the picture on there. And then we see the woman who's like traveling and she's doing this and she's doing that because of work is calling this and that. And we want to be all those things. And, you know, probably the gal who's traveling is not making the organic meal from scratch. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's a good word. I think with social media too, it's important for me to remember that I see a snapshot and I have no clue what else is going on in yeah. life. And you know, it, it is easy to see all those things and think, you know, she's getting 
10, 10, 10 in every area of、sure. life. And it's just a snapshot. Yeah. Chelsea, there is someone listening right now who the work that they're doing, what God has called them to do, maybe it's full time momming, and they, are, they feel so completely invisible, and yet they are making a huge contribution to what's happening in the world today. What encouragement do you have for the woman who just, you know, feels invisible right now? First of all, I completely understand that feeling, but I would say your work matters.、Um, your work matters to those that you're serving and、um, to the kingdom of God. And even if you might feel unseen,、um, one of the beauties of being a Christian woman who is working in the home, outside the home, a combination of the two, is that our work matters for today and for eternity, and that God sees us even when we feel unseen, that God sees the labor of our hands.、Um, and so I would just remind her, I've reminded myself this in many, many seasons that、um, my work isn't in vain. Our work isn't in vain. It matters today and for eternity.、Mm. So here's God's good and perfect plan for you. He wants you to experience abundant life, not just like barely scraping by. He wants you to experience being spiritually alive. So I've got a question for you What makes you feel spiritually alive? What's, what are the things that you do that, that when you're doing that thing, you feel the pleasure of God over you? I, I, Eric, uh, Little, <laughs> I, I have to fact check myself on this one.、Um, Olympic runner said, I feel the pleasure of God when I run. I feel God's delight over me when I run. God created him to run like the wind and ended up being a missionary. Incredible story. But anyway, what makes you feel God's pleasure? You just feel the joy of the Lord over you and in you when you do it. Two things.、Uh, number one, when I'm At church Sunday morning, and we're you know, singing, we're in worship. You、yeah. can, I at least, really feel God's presence with us when we're doing that, and we can feel His joy、mm-hmm. that when we're doing that. And then, two, when I'm purposely making time to sit down and, and do some reading、yeah. in, in my Bible. And I'll be honest, I, I need to do more of that. Don't always make the time for it, but when I do, I can really feel that presence with、yeah. me. Man, that's so good. I'm with you on the corporate worship thing. I completely, when, we're, when I'm with other believers and we're together lifting high the name of, Je- of Jesus and just praising him, man, I feel the pleasure of the Lord in that moment. And for me, it's really similar as far as、um, getting into God's word, but more specifically, when I linger with God. When I feel like I have an open ended time with him and I don't have to, like, I've got to be done at eight o'clock so I can hop in the shower and blah, 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 get ready for a church. <laughs> It's when there's an open ended space and I get to just hang out with him and linger with him. I just, man, I feel spiritually alive. It feels so good. Romans 12, verse 11 says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Keep your spiritual fervor. What do you think that means? I think it means to nurture your spirituality. I mean, those things that make you feel spiritually alive, that you, you feel the presence of God when you're doing those things, do those things. Read your Bible, memorize scripture, talk to God. I don't know what your prayer life is like, but man, 
as a mom, nothing makes me happier than when I pick up my phone because I'm getting some kind of notification and it's my kids. Mm -hmm. God feels the same way about you. When you're like, when you just start up a conversation with him, you have his undivided attention and he loves your company. So spend time with the Lord, talk to him. Fasting, fasting is a practice that draws us close to the heart of God. When you tell yourself no, you make yourself deal with it. And instead of whatever it is that you're longing for, that you've decided to tell yourself no to, you turn to to the Lord in that moment, whether it's food or whether it's a social media fast, um, maybe just screens in general, like no screens. Every Tuesday, I'm doing no screens. Maybe your job doesn't let you do that. Mine doesn't let me do that. (laughs) But whatever it is, fasting is a way that we can draw near to the heart of God. And I mean, the list goes on and on and on. You talked yesterday about serving, Ben. Yeah. Serving God is a way that maybe when you're serving, you're like, man, I just feel the pleasure of God when when I'm there. Going to church, I know that during COVID, a lot of us got out of the practice. Maybe you got out of the practice of meeting with other believers every Sunday. Listen, the church needs you. The church needs you to show up. Yep. They need you to be who you are together with them. Those gathered in corporate worship can't experience, cor- experience corporate worship if you aren't showing up. And to be really honest with you, you need them too. You need to show up. I mean, I could keep going and keep going, but... What are the things, I'd love to hear from you this morning, what are the things that make you feel spiritually alive? 800-968-8930. Join the conversation, text us and let us know. And whatever that is for you, establish rhythms in your life in those areas. And these practices are what keep us spiritually healthy. Here's the thing. If, if your doctor said, you know what, I love you. Probably your doctor doesn't tell you he loves you, but he tells you or she tells you what they do because they care about your your health. They want you to be healthy, right? So they say, here's what you need to do. You need to drink more water. You need to eat more vegetables. You need to eat less sugar and less fried foods. You need to start working out and you really need to make sure that you're getting eight hours of sleep a night. You wouldn't say to your doctor, yeah, I'll do one of those. I'll do one of those, but I'm not going to take on all of those. I mean, I'll work out, but I'm going to eat whatever I want. I'm just saying. Or you wouldn't say, you know what? I know you're saying that I need to work out, but I did that once and I didn't like it. Like my muscles got so sore. It just was not pleasant. I'm not going to keep doing that. You wouldn't do that. Nope. You would, you would make the adjustments that you need to make in your life to be physically healthy. So, because I love you and I do, I'm going to ask the question. What life adjustments do you need to make today to be spiritually healthy? What do you need to do to be spiritually alive? Let's do it. You know, I was told something a few weeks ago that has really stuck with me from a friend of mine who said, I don't always go to church every week because I feel the need to just relax on Sunday rather than going to church. You know, I get it. Life is busy. You know, we work five days a week. Then we have to run errands around town. It just really feels like there's no time for rest Mm -hmm. anymore. As someone who's busy with work and then church work after I work, Mm -hmm. I can relate. Last week, Monday, I got done with work here at Moody at two o'clock and then went home and had two errands to run. 
Got home from those at around 3.45, and then I had to file my report for the Benevolent Fund at church. I'm a deacon there, as well as writing some checks for church to pay some bills. All told, it was a busy day. You know, but with busyness comes sacrifice. No, not a bull with no blemishes. Not that, <laughs> not that kind of sacrifice. Praise Jesus, right? <laughs> Literally. Literally. Uh, there are things I miss out on on a weekly basis. You know, time spent with family, hanging out with friends. We have an early wake-up call each day to get here to work to do the morning show, and it does really limit what I or even we can do during the evening hours. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more that I can list here, but you know, I've had to really set some boundaries with what I spend my time on. So when someone says, I just need to rest, I completely understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But should that rest come at the expense of Sunday morning? No, not at all. Hear this little nice note here from Matthew 18, verse 20. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Mm-hmm. You know, when I go to church, it energizes me for the upcoming week. It gives me what I need at that very moment. It always does. Mm-hmm. We, we should seek rest in the Lord. And when we feel tired, trust me, the Lord will provide time for rest. Yeah, I, I truly believe that, you know, God's invitation, it's his plan. Sabbath was his plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole idea of like, I, I need to rest on Sunday, that comes from the Lord. Yes. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. No. It's just that he's got a great plan for how to rest. And it begins with gathering with other believers and understanding the truth, hearing the truth, worshiping the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, fixing our eyes on who he is, being reminded that we're not in this thing alone. It's, it's, there's, there's rest for your soul mm. in heading to church on Sunday morning and meeting with other believers. And they need you. And you need them. Yes. That is so true. You need them. And trust me, they need you. When mm-hmm. you walk in the door, it, it puts a smile on people's faces to see everyone come to church and be able to worship together. You know, if you go to a smaller church like I do, it, it really provides a, a family-like atmosphere. Not saying bigger churches don't have that, but my church, at least, we really feels like a true, strong family that we have. And and Sabbath can look like so many different things. You know, that could be time spent just sitting on the couch doing nothing. Completely fine. I do that sometimes. Sunday afternoon, Sunday afternoon nap. Sunday that afternoon That was a thing nap. as a kid. Like, Dad always took a nap. Did he? Yeah. We'd hate it if he fell asleep with the remote on his belly, like watching bowling. And you're like, uh, oh, man. <laughs> you know, my, my grandfather was big on uh, on Sunday rest, Sabbath rest, and after mm-hmm. church, he would just sit in the living room and just listen to music. Yeah. Just pop on a record and just sit and do absolutely nothing. But here's the thing. Sabbath is not limited no. to your Sunday afternoon nap. Nope. It's whatever, what is restful, what is rest for your soul? What is life giving to you? Maybe mm-hmm. it's playing really hard, you know? Maybe it is breaking a sweat, but you're doing something that is life-giving. Maybe you're feeling tired today. You know, I would invite you to get into God's hammock and rest today. That's good. Hear this from Psalm 23, verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Thanks for letting Barry and Shauna walk the real-life journey with you. The content from the Barry and Shauna podcast comes from their live show, 
Barry and Shauna, mornings on 89.3 Moody Radio, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Reach out to us by texting 800-968-8930 and please subscribe.